Well, it's a great pleasure to welcome to What's Next from First Technology, Ryan Ramautar, who's the Senior Software and Cloud Specialist at First Technology. Ryan, it's great to see you. How are you doing and how's business going? I imagine that COVID's been good for business. How's COVID treated First Technology? Morning, Aki, and, and thank you for having me. Um, it's been very positive. Uh, we've been very fortunate. Um, in one of your What's Next interviews, a gentleman mentioned that uh, the lead salesperson this year will be COVID, and I had to have a laugh at that. Um, and I think that was true to a large extent, um, but you needed to have the right skills and the right experience to be able to assist your customers. Um, I think, Aki, during the emergence of, of COVID, it kind of separated companies um, who were geared for their staff to work from home, um, and those who were not ready for their staff to work from mm. home. Um, we, we, of course, as a uh, a leading IT company in South Africa, uh, and we also consider ourselves a fairly progressive business, is we've been working from home for, for some time prior to COVID, um, which kind of allowed us to guide our customers in the right uh, direction, especially those customers that were unsure of what the future looked like. Um, there were customers that had skills gaps to be able to manage the process of implementing and, and maintenance. Um, and of course, there were those customers who were not uh, software licensing ready um, to have their staff work from home. And, and that uh, in, on its own was a, was a challenge, a, a big financial challenge for, for customers. So, yeah, we, we've had, we have decades of experience in this area. Um, we've seen the evolution of IT in, in the relevant areas uh, to confidently guide our customers. So, um, yes, it's been very positive for us. Oh, that's great. It's great to hear. Now, of course, you guys were, as you were saying earlier, you know, you've been doing this for a while. So I guess you had the blueprint uh, to help customers get to navigate through working remotely, I guess. Um, I mean, First Technology, you're a very interesting company. Just tell us a little bit about your company. So, Aki, we, we're one of the largest privately owned IT group of companies in South Africa. Um, we've been around since 1982, so 39 years now. Um, we head office out of Johannesburg um, and, and also have a presence in, in all the major centers in, in South Africa across our uh, nine branches uh, with just over, I think we're close on to 1,700 employees nationwide. Um, uh, the, the business mainly is built across uh, IT consulting, security consulting, um, modern workplace. Um, we also provide uh, IT products, some of which we develop ourselves. Um, others we on-sell or we resell. Um, and then the group also consists of the largest IT distribution company in South Africa, um, arguably um, in first distribution. Um, and and I, I, I have seen an interview where you had a first distribution gentleman on, so it was good to see the representation from the group. So, um, so in a, pretty diverse, hey, I'm hearing from you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in a nutshell, Aki, our, our vision for, for our customers at First Technology is really to empower them with the right technology across the group. Um, the right stuff that, that will meet the demands of the customer um, and the future demands of the industries. Um, and then also, just lastly, to touch on this, um, something that we try and ensure our customers get is the promise of reliability to ensure that uh, they get their uh, positive or good return on the investment. So, yeah, that, that in summary is, is who we are, Aki. 
Oh, that's awesome. I mean, um, what I said was, you know, you're very, very diverse in, in the products that you offer and, the, and, and you know, what, what you can do on the enterprise space. And I guess um, we, we had to talk about Popia as well today. And I think it's going to be an interesting talk with you because this is now becoming reality, right? I mean, we're literally a few weeks away from, you know, this, this act be putting, being put in place. I think companies have had just over a year. Well, they've had a few years, but the president laid down the gauntlet and he said, listen, it's now happening. I mean, where, where are we at with Papier? Um, you know, I'm hearing many companies are struggling. Uh, many companies are putting a lot of effort and a lot of time and money into getting Papier right. And uh, we know how important it is. We know the implications that it has. Um, and um, I mean, what, what kind of challenges are you finding your customers are having? How are you helping them? Where are we with Papier? Yeah, that, that's a very good question, Aki. Um, so, so at first, we, we don't claim to be legal experts on, on Papier, um, much like our customers. Uh, but we do know and love the technology that supports the customer in the journey to compliancy. So to put it into context, um, customers really do need assistance in this area, um, and they do need assistance in identifying the most important areas to property compliancy. Mm. Um, our approach, and, and largely the industry as a whole to assisting customers, um, is to focus on, on three main areas. Um, we look at the classification of data. So what is considered sensitive information, and, and how do we locate that information, and how do we retrieve it? Um, we look at data governance. So how do you map a specific data asset or a, sen a sensitive piece of data to a specific business process or a specific business purpose? Um, and then lastly, we look at protecting data, which becomes paramount at the end of the day. So how are we ensuring that data is kept inside the organization safely um, through things like encryption and the various uh, security controls that are available to us. Um, so once we define those three uh, um, areas, we can actually build out processes which we can then apply to the relevant technologies that the customer either has or needs to introduce into the environment. Okay. I mean, that's uh, that makes perfect sense. And I think it's a very important point that you've just made. But, you know, Ryan, you look at some of the customers and I chat to some organizations. Now, you've got the very big organizations like the banks and, you know, the big, big companies that have got lots of resources. You know, they've got the legal resources because let's be honest. I mean, this this Papia is is a minefield of legal information. So you've got to know how to navigate it. So, you know, I, I don't know. Is it an unfair advantage that massive organizations have that they have massive legal departments, HR de departments, to help them navigate through uh, this Popia Act that's coming through. Um, how, how do you compete against the organizations with these massive mm. budgets? If you're yeah. a small, medium-sized business enterprise, what do you what do? you do? Yeah, so, so that's a very good point, Aki. Um, I think ultimately, uh, big or small, you need, to add, you need to know what the impact of Popia is on your specific organization right? so that you can decide what the best approach is for you. Um, complying with Papia is, is most certainly not a one-size-fits-all exercise. You know, different organizations um, need to take different steps to get closer to that state of compliancy. Um, so, for example, what a small business has to do is very different from what a medium or a, a large-size organization would have to do. Mm. Um, 
And then also, and, and, and this is very important, the, an organization's steps that they need to take are also dependent on the foundations that they've already built uh, to protect personal information. Right. So some organizations may have uh, many securities in place and are very well versed on the security topic, while others have very little security and are, and are fairly new to the issue. So everybody has their own uh, set of circumstances that they need to consider when, when implementing. Sure. It's, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm like yeah. petrified of Papier. <laughs> to try and manage that process, it's... It's, it's, it's very listen, daunting, the yeah. Is we've had a lot of time. I mean, organizations have had lots of time to plan and get all their ducks in a row. And, and I guess we, we're going to learn more about it as, as it unfolds. But when you look at the, the fines, I mean, that petrifies me. If mm. you, uh, you know, if, if, if there's a, a breach of any sort and you haven't got your data protected, I mean, the fines are pretty massive. And they, I guess, do they discriminate between, you know, if you're a big company or a small company, the size of the fine, for example? I mean, who falls into what target? You know, you've got small, large, medium enterprises, you've got government, mm. you've got NGOs. So it, it, it's quite complex. I mean, what, what is the approach to take in this regard? Absolutely correct, Aki. So from our understanding at First Tech, uh, the Act does not have any preferential treatment uh, per sector or per company size when it comes to the prosecution of Papier. There are considerations for a company like ourselves who provide services when dealing with um, an NPO as opposed to a large enterprise business or a, a multinational business. So our customers um, at first range from SME all the way through to enterprise customers, and the approach stays the same. Um, and, and so does the tool set to an extent, because, you know, sensitive data remains sensitive. Uh, it, it's... It, it's the same whether you're big or small. So the two things that we look at, uh, depending on the size of the company, is we, we look at their licensing. So there are programs out there that are suited for smaller businesses and government uh, departments and NPOs. Um, and in those cases, we apply for the necessary costing models to, to, to suit their needs and to suit their pockets, of course. Um, and then secondly, the uh, supporting frameworks uh, provided by a service provider like First Technology mm. in uh, managed service agreements and SLAs, service level agreements, are then also adjusted to, to suit customer needs um, and, and customer size. Okay. So, I mean, it's interesting you say that. So, if I'm a small company and I have a breach, I could theoretically, as it stands, get the same fine that a big organization gets. And I guess a breach is a breach, Absolutely. whichever way you look at it. Um, if you have to comply, then, you know, you've got to comply. And I think the word compliance, 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 how many organizations are getting that term drummed into their heads in over the last, few, uh, you know, a few months? Um, and, and I guess that it's, it's when you mention compliance, it gets people, you know, cold and, the, you know, people catch a big fright when you hear the word compliance. But... It's amazing how many organizations are not fully utilizing, you know, the technology that's out there to help you become compliant. And I'm talking about software. There's some great software there mm. that helps with all of this compliance. Absolutely. So I think uh, what is comforting is the fact that the, the regulator, the information regulator, will not likely have any issue with you using um, 
software to implement uh, the Papio controls, if the software actually helps you protect personal information um, and avoids the company from being non-compliant. Um, it, it's actually likely that the, the regulator will encourage you to use data protection software, especially when you're processing um, large volumes of personal information. And we know that's the case in, um, in the retailer scenario and um, finance and insurance. Um, and in, in, in fact, Aki, in, in, there are some examples in other countries or other jurisdictions where uh, the, the, authority, the data authorities actually encourage the use of what they call PETs. Uh, privacy-enhancing tools, and they actually partner with vendors to be able to um, assist uh, customers. So software is playing a, 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 a massive role in the customer's journey to, to being closer to compliance or full compliance. Well, I mean, you just think about, you mentioned retail now. I mean, how many places do you go into and you've got to fill in that form where you put your name, your cell phone number, your <laughs> ID number, your temperature, um, and I'm thinking about all of that data, that's like not even compliant, uh, the way the law stands. I mean, how you manage that data, what you do with that data is going to be very, very critical. So companies need to be very aware of even something small like this. But let's go to Microsoft and, and Microsoft have yeah. got some fantastic software and there's a compliance center and they've really thought of that whole process. They've had a couple of workshops in, in terms of how their process works in becoming compliant. Um, how does this Microsoft technology work? If you don't mind sharing that insight with us. Absolutely. So within Microsoft, you've got the Compliance Center, and then you've got a product called uh, Compliance Manager. Um, and, and in our opinion at First Tech, the, the real power in Compliance Manager specifically exists um, in the dashboard functionality. And what that details is your current compliance level, um, the risk assessments needed to get closer to that state of compliancy. And all of this is built in the compliance center um, in the cloud. So what we try and do is uh, we try and give some key benefits to customers. Um, and for the sake of the viewers, around compliance manager. Um, and I'll, I'll give you three key benefits. I think what we're seeing is the real-time monitoring and the assessments um, to strengthen your level of compliancy. Um, we look at recommended actions, um, and that is also paramount. So, so what do you need to do to get closer to that state of compliancy? Um, and then thirdly is the control mapping functionality within Compliance Manager. Um, so that is effectively how do we map uh, uh, very sensitive data to a business process or a business purpose? And I think... Um, this is all integrated into the Office 365 package. So um, to go a little bit further, I think for, for end users, importantly, um, what you want to do is reduce the dependency and the effort on the end user. So the solution is, is very cleverly built into the applications um, the users know and the users love, of course. So there are no additional add-ins uh, for IT to deploy or, or to, to manage. Ah. Um, and then a step further, so Microsoft's information protection stack um, kind of also gives you uh, the insights through that single pane of glass, that dashboard that we speak about. Um, and here you can create your policies and you can actually monitor what is happening in your environment. Um, and this, again, is all part of the M365 or Microsoft 365 um, Compliance Center. And then the bedrock of the solution, Aki, for, 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 for us is 
the flexibility and the classification capabilities, um, which then becomes your your main mechanism for you to identify uh, what is important uh, what is important data to you. Um, and then, and then just lastly, the, the data protection, uh, well, for, for any data protection solution to work, it's got to be user-friendly. So they've built a nice, uh, they've built some really good uh, flexibility um, uh, into the solution that allows you to balance that level of protection, classification, um, and the ability to, to continue to be productive. You can't have your people not working. Okay, so um, so Ryan, from what I'm hearing from you is that although the Microsoft compliance software is, is an add-on, right? So if you've got your existing infrastructure, you add it on, but it goes quite deep. So if you've got mm. people using yeah. um, Office three six five, for example, and you know the you know those kind of applications within an organization, it does cover those external uh, applications like Office three six five remote stuff. So it it really goes in quite deep, even though it's an added module. Yes, correct. Compliance manager, um, but I think uh, natively compliance center exists within Office three six five and the M three six five stack. That's right. So maybe just to give um, everyone a little bit of context uh, context around this question. So. Uh, we, we mustn't forget, in order to help your organization effectively protect personal data and, and sensitive content um, relevant to your company, um, you need to implement uh, a solution and, and processes that allows you to discover, um, classify, protect, and, and effectively have the ability to, to monitor your data that is important to you. And Microsoft do that in, in a couple of ways. Um, the, the, inf the information protection capabilities within M365, like Data Governance Suite for Office 365, and uh, Azure's uh, information protection gives you that level of um, integration that allows for classification and for labeling, um, which then allows the business to have that continuous protection of your data, irrespective of where your data lives or, or, or how, it, how your data effectively travels. So I think then we, we start realizing that we, we do need a proactive approach for governing sensitive data, right? Um, to be able to sort of quickly respond um, when you need to comply with the regulator's request, what happens in that scenario? Yes. Or there's an internal requirement around data subject requests, uh, DSRs, um, as part of PAPIA. So, um, and we know that DSR is, is a uh, it's a topic of discussion around Papia on 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 its own. Well, I mean, uh, talking of DSR, I mean, let's just talk about that for a second. When you look at DSR and the processes you need to have in place, um, when you talk about Papia uh, GDPR, for example, when a breach does happen. Uh, how do you deal with it? What are the processes? Because I mean, those are those are hurdles on its own. So let let's touch on that for a moment. Uh, now that we're yeah. talking Papia and DSR, how, how what happens when there is a breach? Yeah, good good question. So to help customers navigate the resources on the cloud services, we introduced or Microsoft introduced a uh, privacy tab um, into the actual portal itself. Um, and, and there are three, three areas that this uh, uh, privacy tab effectively assists with. Um, it gives you the information that you need to prepare your own assessments, your own data assessments, because each company's requirements are, are different to the next. Um, 
Secondly, it gives you uh, guidance on how to respond to a DSR, which is important. Um, and thirdly, it gives you information around how Microsoft actually detects um, and responds to data breaches and how you actually get uh, notifications from Microsoft. So feature-wise, in, in the actual apps, um, it's typically suppo supported through um, a couple of features, um, but the main ones are there's a very slick uh, data privacy tab in Office 365, and I, I watched an interview, your, one of your interviews, uh, where you had a Microsoft employee demo compliance manager, um, and you would have seen that tab in Excel or in Word or in PowerPoint, where you're able to click and effectively flag a, um, flag a document as confidential, and that effectively helps your, your um, compliance process. Um, there's also a DSR portal in, in Azure, and, and you can log requests there. Um, and then there, of course, DSR search capabilities. A big talking point, of course, is Dynamics 365, because we know that a lot of our customer information will exist and, and live within Dynamics going forward. Gee, right. I mean, this is completely comprehensive. I mean, uh, there are solutions for everything. You know, there's no there's no reason to fear the Popia issue. I mean, there are there is help out there. You can become compliant. There's help to become compliant. There's software to become compliant, as we've highlighted. How do people get in touch with you guys and what are the next steps for organizations? I mean, and the, the big question is if an organization's only just started the process to become compliant, is it too late? Um, Aki, I, th I think importantly, you need to identify a partner if you haven't already appointed one. Um, and I, I think what you'd be looking for in that company is someone who has the right experience and the right track record uh, in, in this specific space to assist you through your journey. Um, we've spoken a lot about this before, but that effectively the, the technology partner would come in and identify the areas that you need focus on. Mm, mm. Um, and in fact, in, in some cases, it could just be building on your existing processes. Um, and that again becomes sort of less cumbersome and, and less costly, of course. So something we need to keep in mind is that uh, Papi is a marathon race and will most certainly won't, uh, will uh, need continuous and ongoing focus and support. Yeah. You know, being compliant today does not mean you'll be compliant tomorrow or whether you'll be compliant six months from now. It needs ongoing focus. So it is a very daunting topic on the agenda in uh, boardroom meetings and, and in general meetings. Um, but if you've got the right support from a partner, you, you, you'll be on the right path. Yeah, but get, get on that path because I tell you what, the, the, the implications, yeah. if you do it wrong, and you do have a data breach is uh, I, I don't even want to think about it. Absolutely. It frightens a living daylights out of me. Uh, Ryan uh, Ramautar, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing that insight with you. Um, I imagine that you have a specialist division at uh, First Technology that deals with this as we've been talking right now. And uh, there's plenty of resources on your website. Uh, if people want to find out more about Papia, how they start, what the journey that they take, uh, I imagine that's all online, Ryan. Absolutely. So we, we've got a few campaigns running around Papia um, and all the technology websites and the news outlets like My Broadband and others. Um, so you'll be able to get our details of those articles. We've got a survey that, are, that, that is currently running on uh, My Broadband 
which would be able to guide you and, and assist you. Um, you'll also see, or, or you'll also be able to get us on our LinkedIn pages, um, on either the First Deck page or, or my personal page. Um, and then we also have a YouTube channel where you'd be able to view all our campaigns and our content um, over, over there. Fantastic. Uh, Ryan Ramawutar, Senior Software and Cloud Specialist at First Technology. Thank you for joining us for this episode of What's Next. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Aki. Thank you for having me. Thank you.